Welcome back. I'm Chris Nerd, Chief Digital Officer of Synity, a world leader in enterprise data software, and uh, very pleased to welcome you back to part two of my interview with Asha Pelos Johnson, VP and Global CIO of Analytics at GE Healthcare. In in part two, let's talk more about um, kind of your growth as as a leader in this space and how that fits into. Um, some evolution that's happened over GE in, in the course of your career there. So um, one thing I think would be very interesting if you can share, if, if I understand correctly, you have a global role, but you've always been based in, in India. Um, how common is that within the industry or within GE? Are there some particular challenges or points of, of interest that you'd share on kind of your growth as a, a leader for a multinational company, but based out of India? Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, question, uh, Chris. So like I mentioned in the first part, you know, I have been with GE for 20 years and I've had the great opportunity to start as a developer and now in the position that I am in for, uh, which is a global role to lead uh, data analytics for BG Healthcare on the enterprise side. Um, so if I look at if I look at this uh, twenty year journey, right? I think few things that have truly enabled me uh, with this is the one is obviously the the whole company itself. You know, a big believer in diversity and inclusion, and also on meritocracy uh, has has been a huge a huge enabler to that. Uh, I have had the opportunity to work in different roles in different businesses and develop deep expertise and also a lot of context. Uh, you know, what, ha what has really helped me, uh, two, three things I think has helped me is in my career is one thing is definitely I was blessed with some good problem solving skills, you know, and I, my engineering background, you know, I have a master's in engineering from IIT Mumbai actually helped me to kind of chisel that a little bit, but that's just the starting point, right? Then when you come into your uh, career, I spend the first few, few, uh, first few years in the research center that really helped build that problem solving and curious mindset uh, quite a bit. From there, I went on to roles which were either in technology or in, uh, you know, partnering with businesses to solve difficult problems. Uh, and I think the one thing that has really helped me is not to just stay in one domain uh, and try to navigate uh, without really having to leave the company, you know, and that's something that GE offered to me with the various businesses that they have in India, in Bangalore, uh, because I really did not want to move or relocate. I had several opportunities to relocate to other parts of the world as part of my career, but I chose not to do so because of personal reasons, uh, but it really did not become a barrier for me uh, in my uh, career growth. Uh, I went after experiences in developing overall, I would say, capabilities. Uh, sometimes I took risks with my career. Some of them worked. Some of them really, really did not work that well. But I think also what helped is a series of great leaders that we have within the company who were who, who good coaches, mentors, very good global leaders who I had the opportunity to work with, you know, who were also big sponsors and supporters of my career. Uh, and uh, eventually, you know, uh, I do believe in technology. I'm deep down a technologist. I spent a lot of time in staying current, participating in forums like this and sharing knowledge. I do a lot of work with young talent uh, coming out of colleges, which helps me learn a lot from them as to what is happening in the industry. Because I am in a space which is constantly evolving every single day. 
uh, and to be to be doing well in your career staying on top of that is very important the other part that i have learned is also to do uh, a lot of uh, good uh, you know practices around relationships and people uh, and that really help you navigate uh, and grow uh, within the company so i would say part of it was the culture of ge you know what it offers you but you know it offers that to everybody part of it is how do you take advantage of the global nature of the company create relationships have the courage to go and ask for the tough job sometimes yeah. fail sometimes and be okay with it and then just move on uh, so that that were some of the things that i think at least work for me and i think it would be amiss of me if i did not say you know uh, the the great support i have from my family who are big cheerleaders for me uh, in this uh, sometimes very challenging role uh, you know uh, especially when you are in a global role and you know, day and night all gets mixed up so many many a time so <laughs> yeah. they they have been big cheerleaders for mm-hmm. me so that's been a, that's been a big positive and a big blessing for me as well that that's that's terrific to hear thank you and and just so I, so sometimes it towards the end of these interviews um, i you know i ask leaders what advice they have for people coming up in their career and i think what you know the key points that you just shared are just so important and, and you know maybe just to play a couple of them back like i i love um i love working with people and who've shifted back and forth between kind of business facing and more technical roles because it really gives you kind of a unique perspective i think working in in different businesses being willing to you know sign up for the the the, the harder thing i i got um advice earlier early in my career when i was choosing between two different roles one of the best questions is which one makes you more nervous take that one and so i i kind of i i think i kind of a, a kindred approach uh a kindred approach to uh to that and and just thinking about that so that's um that's that's really really interesting um so so on a related note uh at, at one point in your career you took on a, a major additional leadership role focused on diverse diversity and inclusion and um I think the audience would really love to hear about, you know, what that was like, what you learned from that. It, it's something um, that's obviously a huge challenge in the technology industry overall. And, you know, kind of what, what you learned from that and, um, and you know, how you were able to kind of help, I'll, I'll say, advance the game in terms of diversity and inclusion within GE. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that question. um you know and i'll be very honest you know i was not the uh, you know being a technologist you are in love with technology most of the time you know you don't really think of yourself as a man or a woman and all of that right so till i was in i think very senior in my career people used to tell me hey you should probably get into different diversity initiative you're successful you can help others uh, i i don't think i took it very seriously maybe that's something i would have gone back and changed if i had an opportunity but at some point i did feel that you know, you know it's 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 an it's something that i need to to give back and do something about it so that's how it started and my my whole perspective was it's going to be me going to be the giver and others are going to be the takers but what i soon found out you know as i started getting into many of these initiatives and starting to hear from the uh, you know from people about uh, how they have overcome many biases and other things and grown uh, in their careers even small or big and and defining what success means to you i actually learned a lot uh, you know and it helped me i used to be a good technologist but it also made me a better leader and a better people leader 
you know, as I, as I try to understand really diverse perspectives uh, and work with many women to get them interested in long technology careers, right? One of the things I was seeing is that, uh, you know, we have, we, India as a country, we have 50-50% of engineering graduates who are men and women who pass out from their uh, engineering degree. But as we go through our careers, right, we see more and we see less and less women in technology roles. Uh, part of that is because when you have children and other family commitments, you kind of don't want to do technology roles because technology has moved on, right? Unlike some of the other management functions where the change nature of change is much lesser. So I did try to work uh, and try to find and help way in ways how people can stay current on technology, you know, being active on social networks, you know, even when you are you are not really fully, fully working. And, and I actually did some of that when I had my kids and I had to take time off and all of that. Uh, I also coached uh, and like I said, I work with a lot of young talent uh, because I learn from them more than probably, you know, I learn from books or other materials. You know, this is a very new generation. I'm just amazed by how well they have adapted to situations like COVID. They're very digitally agile, much more than yeah. what we can. And it's a big strength of them. Uh, so both, you know, so some of these things are lessons I learned and I was able to really help alleviate that fear that if I choose a technology career because I don't have a career after some time, you know, which is a big fear I see in some some women by working with them or giving them examples and all of that. Uh, the other thing that I think I have done a lot of, which I found is a lot of diversity initiatives, actually not about women, but having the men and women partner in making the diversity initiatives. Yeah further successful because end of the day the decision makers whether we like it or not in most scenarios are men so unless they believe in this whole agenda it's going to be very difficult for us to make progress so that's a lesson that i learned as well because i used to think this is all about women or something like that which is just not uh, and uh, i think those were the two things that i really learned and i contributed which i think are sustaining uh, and I continue to support that initiative, even though I'm not in the forefront of that. Uh, so like I said, I thought I was going to give something, but I learned so much and I got so much back uh, from the time that I spent on those initiatives. I, I think that's that's wonderful, Asha, and some great insights in there. And, I, you know, I've done some um, some uh, some teaching over the years and I sort of had the same thought that, you know, I was just giving and, and I ended up learning so much by by doing it. But I think you have a couple of really important observations around, you know, what what we can do in, in technology and data and analytics to support diversity and in particular women's inclusion is not take for granted some of the things that are perceived as structural limitations and, you know, really provide that coaching and support so that we, we can over time reduce the problem that, I you know, and the statistics very much bear this out is that people advance in their career and then, you know, the senior people become less and less diverse over time. And then of course that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think that, you know, the work that you did to sort of start thinking about how can we think about perceived structural limitations in a different way so that they're not limit limitations, but in a way actually opportunities and then provide kind of it's, I think it's actually psychological and emotional support for you know, emerging women leaders in in technology fields, and then and then I very much agree with your point too. On this isn't, you know, about women doing it versus men. Um, we've had a lot of very interesting discussions, um, you know, in, in our company and in the industry 
um, related to some of what's going on in, in the United States about um, allyship. And I think this concept of, of allyship, if you're you know, sort of the non-diverse leader, is, is super important and something that you know, all, of us, all of us need to take very seriously. And I, and I agree with you that that's going to be um, kind of part of a, a key to unlocking this over time. So, so on that note, just sort of a, a, a couple of things. Um, a lot of conversations that I have with with um, with CIOs, chief data officers, technology leaders, if you ask them what they're worried about, usually on their top three is talent. So, sort of two part question again, just because I like those. You know, do you think there's a talent crisis um, of call it a supply demand imbalance, particularly in the, the field of, of data and analytics. And then on the, the diversity front, do you think we're getting better or, or staying the same? And I guess I have a hypothesis that, you know, if we did better on di diversity to the extent we have a talent crisis, it would be less of a crisis. So I'm sort of, you've, you've really been deep into this, you know, in kind of an interesting context. So I'm very interested on your view on sort of that set of issues. Yeah, you know, I, I have a very little bit of a different perspective on this topic, right? Uh, you know, when we look at talent in the technology industry, there is a constant observation that I have. You know, a lot of these, uh, the, the needs for technology is around problem solving. So I think if we, the first thing that we need to do and we actually do in a lot of our education system is to teach people to problem solve. That's the first thing. The second thing is technology is changing so fast. I think it's the fundamentals that matter. You know, today, uh, you know, like for example, in our world, you do kind of, you know, we, right now we do more functional programming. Earlier we were doing some way, different way of looking at data, right? But end of the day, it is just a top layer on the coding part that is keeping on changing. But but the basics of how technology works has not dramatically really changed over the period of year, period of time. So the point I'm trying to make is. Some of this gap is because we are not really trying to think about out of the box in how do we use talent and how do we develop talent by investing in primarily problem solving and some basic technology skills and then use this talent in multiple ways by doing some top up training or other things. So if you look at that population that's available, that's much more massive than what you would traditionally consider as technology talent, right? So that's that's one reason that we feel a gap. It's a it's like a it's like literally like economics. It's between the gap between the producer and the consumer. You know what the consumer wants is not what the producer is producing, right? So how do you actually tune what the producer is producing to the and kind of tune the need of the consumer to that? And I think a lot of this talent gap can go away because I see a lot of unemployment. Uh, you know, in many, many countries, including mine, uh, with very, very good talent, and we continue to say we have a talent gap. So I think that's something if as an industry and as conglomerates, we can do something, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a great thing. When it comes to uh, the second question of yours around diversity, uh, like I said, right, uh, I have a view which is very global as well as very regional. Let me talk a little bit more about the regional view, right? Like, in India, we as a country, right, today we have uh, very good technical, diverse talent coming out of our engineering colleges. Our 
our problem is not there it is more losing them as time goes by and as they go through the career so that's a different problem to split when i look at it globally i think there is a lot more need of investment in having girls getting into stem uh, in many 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 countries uh, because if they're never in stem they're never going to be able to pursue some of these roles you know how much ever we teach them some of the other top up skills that we are thinking about so it's it is it is improving i think the first thing is awareness so there's a lot of awareness that's happening the second thing is problem solving the third thing is actioning and then sustaining right i think we're doing decent on awareness we're getting to problem solving but we've always been challenged in actually solving it by taking some bold steps and then sustaining is the most difficult part so maybe we are improving but it's a very slow improvement is what i observe because we continue yeah. to see that go back yeah i so i think you have a couple of really interesting observations and i i'm going to play back what you said in maybe um you know slightly different language almost what you're you're advocating for in technology is what's traditionally thought of as a liberal arts approach right and the whole idea of a, you know uh, and this is a sort of euro-american thing but it, but it is significant and this is just it happens to be my background too the whole idea of liberal arts is that you learn how to learn and you learn how to think and you learn how to think critically and if you do that then you can become autodidactic and you can teach yourself anything and i think you're you're correct that and in part it's because of the nature of change and the nature of hyper specialization but like how many times have we all had the conversation you you have a brilliant person but you're like oh she's an abopper right she's just an abopper which is sap speak right you know she's not going to be able or you know he's just a python person yeah. right so i i i think that that you know sort of structural thinking around problem solving and then i want to connect it with what you said about your your own career and how you took chances as leaders we need to be willing to take chances on people when they're when they're not exactly like you know a square peg in a square hole if we think that they've got the capabilities to grow into some additional you know technology and and analytics roles and and maybe also synthesize that with your point that you know if if we were to give advice to sort of um technology folks and data folks who are coming up in their career you know going deep is great but going broad is also important because it's going to force you to tr to turn one kind of knowledge into a different kind of knowledge and kind of create that uh I sound like a techie but you know create that platform or that framework for yourself as a learner um going forward so i think those are um are are really some uh uh some terrific insights yeah i, I just want to add one point see technology skills yeah. have become a big commodity you know like i'll give you Three years ago, everything, everybody wanted to be a data scientist, right? I mean, that was a big technology craze. Data scientists are still important, but a lot of data science is now available in like an AWS SageMaker, you know, libraries yeah. and things like that, where your skill is truly problem solving. You know, it is about understanding the problem. How do you look at all these libraries, figure out the one to use, have the statistical understanding, and solve the problem? So, so what I'm trying to elude is. if you spend too much time learning certain skills which are highly focused on a technology you may become obsolete very fast you know you need to develop fundamental skills which can serve you much better but you need to be adaptive and you should be you know you should have to constantly be able to learn to your analogy that you are using yeah well and and the, i guess the my other observation is that it you know it's it's really important and this sort of goes back to something we we talked about earlier it's really important to 
be able to step back and understand why we're working on something. And I, I my observation very much, it's an occupational hazard of data folks and technologists that they love the problem solving piece so much that they sometimes lose sight of why we're doing all this work to begin with. So, you know, when in, in, in talking to technology organizations and talking to data leaders, I feel like I spend a lot of time saying, you know, just remember, like we're doing this to improve a customer outcome or a customer experience or to grow top line revenue or, you know, in your phrase to create a new horizontal solution so that we can bring a new product to market. And that's the point of doing all this work. So I think that, you know, for, for technologists and especially in their mid career, um, please don't lose sight of that part because that part is extremely important. And, and, and I mean, look, you're a great example of this, right? You started off doing something, you know, very granular, very technical, um, you know, and then kind of grew into this technology and business leader by doing all the stuff that we're talking about. Um, so maybe, maybe in uh, in closing, uh, Ash, I want to return to something we talked a, a little about a little bit about earlier. So we've talked a bit about, um, you know, kind of the frantic pace of change, and new needs that this is putting on data organizations for interoperability, for external data, to really get the fundamentals of data management and data operations right. Do you have any, any predictions you'd like to share on sort of a five to 10 year horizon for the field, part one, because I love to do this, and then part two, does, does the field of healthcare have a special role to play in kind of shaping that broader um, data technology landscape over, you know, a five to 10 year horizon. Yeah, sure. I can definitely share my views, but you know, these are just my, my personal views. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, sure. I, I think, you know, there has been, uh, you know, a lot of inertia within large enterprises on how much we invest in data analytics. I mean, everybody says data analytics is important. But there are two parts to it is one, one is how much are we investing in analytics? and the technology and the platforming, and then how much are we investing in data and the improvement of data, right? The challenge that I, I have seen is that it's very difficult to immediately measure benefits of some of these investments. They are hard, they're long-term projects, and they take time. I yeah. think in a five to six horizons, companies which don't do that today are going to be not existing because every business is becoming a digital business and the only way digital business can be successful is with good data. If you don't have good data, you know, your customer is probably going to be more, uh, you know, annoyed with you than happy with you if you are showing them, you know, yeah. like digital stuff. So so that's, that's one very important shift I see, the importance of platforming the importance of data management is going to get very real. It's not that what thing we talk in conferences and other areas, which is what I have seen at least in many places for the last several years, and we don't really do. So this whole mushrooming of chief data officers is because enterprises have taken notice of that. So that's that's one trend that I definitely see. Uh, and I would see that a lot of people embracing it because it is like almost becoming like a life-threatening thing for a company and an organization yeah. not to do that. The other thing that I do is really the adoption to cloud and the movement that is needed, not just for using it for storage, but using it for compute and using for true analytics, because that's the only thing that we will give speed and scale. You know, what just moving to cloud can give you more cost optimization, 
But if you really do not start doing lot more orchestration and lot more things which are automated uh, for AI ops and things like that, I think you you that's some trend that I see picking up dramatically with the advancements in data science. So it's kind of data science for improving data, data management, data quality, how you do data ops, all of that is the other big trend that I see. And I think the third trend I see is really around citizen everything, citizen analysts, citizen data scientists, citizen developers, uh, because soon every it will be like everybody's job to do something with data. You know, it's not going to be a specialized team like what I do today, sitting and saying, hey, we are the data analytics organization. Everybody is going to be the data analytics organization. Probably I need to find a different job. Uh, but that's that's how I see, I see it evolve. Uh, on your question on healthcare, even though, uh, you know, I don't deal so much with our equipment and product selling, the thing that I see is embedded analytics and customer experience, you know, whether really about being omni-channel, whether you're buying something online, digitally, you know, in the store, how does the experience remain the same? How do we able to manage that customer experience seamlessly? I think it's going to be important. And I think patients are going to be both benefited and challenged. The benefit is they'll have numerous new opportunities and models hitting them and even, even the hospitals. I think their difficulty will be in making the right choices. You know, there's so many opportunities and options will come and how do you actually decide what is the right choice? So I think these are, these are some of the things that I see happening, but mostly extremely positive in us being able to handle a lot more health crisis better, uh, in able to support the situations and, you know, finding better solutions to many of our large uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, issues our patients have and having a better experience as a patient uh, and being able to really manage your life cycle as a patient, right? The patient history and all of that a lot more better. Yeah. I, those are, boy, those are, uh, are really, really terrific insights. And maybe if I sort of start, start uh, in, in reverse order on, on uh, healthcare, you know, I, I think Part of the reason I asked the question is I have a hypothesis in in sort of two dimensions. One is, and, and you mentioned this earlier, um, there's such a big data interoperability challenge with very, very complicated sets of data. So it's PII data, it's external data, and it's enterprise data, which all should work harmoniously to get good outcomes. So the and because it's healthcare and it's people's health and people's lives, it's sort of critically highlights the importance of this. And as a, as a life sciences person, I, you know, I have a, a keen recognition of that. The other theme that I, I think that um, industries like, like healthcare and also financial services have kind of a special place in is around data trust and data integrity. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's different than, you know, selling uh, fast-moving consumer goods, right? Those are very important too. But 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 I I think that all of that um, trust, especially as data becomes more and more ubiquitous, and we kind of start mixing B two C and B two B models. I think that um, healthcare and financial services probably have a special role, almost as like the the tip of the arrow to play in that. So just I, and I think it's just sort of connecting a few of the the, the dots from our discussion. Cloud, uh, 100%. So, you know, what I think we've seen in the past five years, and I agree this is going to continue, is that it, it isn't, it's not even um, really just storage and it's not even really just compute, it's services, yeah. right? And, and the hyperscalers being able to build in more and more of these capabilities. And in a sense, what they're doing in a, in a good way is 
commoditizing things that used to be done by human data scientists that bears on the talent issue that we talked about. So it's like, we've got to get smarter in a problem solving and business problem solving. Now that there are all these microservices around data and analytics that are built into these, um, you know, AWS and similar platforms, um, you know, how do we, uh, anyway, some, uh, you know, some, some really terrific observations. And, and I want to, I want to give you, um, special credit, uh, Asha, because almost everyone I ask that question to says, well, that's a big question. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, I know it's a big question. That's why I asked it, because I wanted to, uh, to to hear your point of view. So I think those are some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some really interesting trends and some really interesting um, predictions. Um, any final words of wisdom you'd like to uh, to leave the the audience with? And um, can people connect with you online on on Twitter and so forth? Yeah, sure. I'm 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 more active on LinkedIn and I'm also on Twitter. So I'm more than happy for people to connect with me. Uh, more for learning purposes, I yeah. hope. <laughs> uh, you know, the the thing that I will I will tell you uh, is right. A lot of the people, folks who work in the data space, you know, there's so much change and evolution happening. People have this fear of not learning some technology or the fear of being left out or left behind and all that. Uh, you know, the thing that I have learned and I will advise everybody is have a few few areas where you're deep. Uh, you know, uh, develop develop that area well develop business thinking like you said married with problem solving and technical skills uh, it, it's okay if you don't know every answer you can always learn yes. you know i think it's going to be a world where you can learn and win you will never know any, all the answers so so especially if you're in the data world you have to be always be curious you have to be always be learning and you have to be very humble uh, to learn from others because as every other person is going to know something that you do not know uh, so I think if you keep up that attitude, I'm sure most folks, uh, you know, can do well and, you know, whatever you're trying to do, be it a student, uh, be it a professional, be it a senior leader and continue to grow in your career. So that would be my final parting thoughts. Well, thank you. So, thank you so much. This is really a terrific conversation. And, and I really loved how we kind of ranged over digital strategy. But then we talked a lot about people too, you know, who in the end make it happen and talked about, you know, data fundamentals, um, you know, versus just data and analytics. And I, I really like your focus on that and, and, and very much agree with it. So um, terrific conversation, uh, Asha. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, for our audience, we have some, uh, some additional interviews you can look at at uh, cdomagazine.tech. Uh, and uh, thanks so much. Have a uh, have a terrific day. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed uh, talking to you, Chris. It really spurred some thoughts in me, you know, on some of the questions that you asked. I wish the audience all the best, and I wish CDO Magazine all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you.